Rebirth of Venus. I'm Caitlin Matanley, and I'm a spiritual mindset coach, a personal development junkie, an all-around Venus worshiper, and a powerful witch. I'm here to talk dirty about evolution, revolution, and how to embody the archetype of Venus, original bad bitch, every damn day. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by The Chariot. The Chariot is my four-week program to move you towards a massive, unexpected, unbelievable quantum leap. Have you ever wanted to change something so badly that you actually dared to dream it was possible for you? And then so-called reality sank in. Well, fuck that. I've made countless, massive shifts in my life, and each time, people told me that what I was dreaming of was impossible or foolish. And guess what? I'm so grateful that I ignored them, that I dared to ignore the realists and decided to live life on my own terms. You see, none of these shifts took years. In fact, slow shifts aren't really my thing. Each time, I changed my life practically overnight, and these moments These enormous shifts, these massive changes in short periods of time, are what we call quantum leaps. And baby, quantum leaps are what I'm here for. Quantum leaps are the kinds of things that can happen when you decide the up level is here. They're the decisions that average people call impulsive, erratic, or irresponsible. But if you're in my world, I know you don't want an average life. You want an extraordinary life. And extraordinary actions lead to extraordinary results. But only always. You can rewrite the personal history that you've created and create something that no one could have imagined you were headed towards. You get to determine what's next. You are able to decide that your life changes today. You can choose that the thing you know you need to do, maybe it's a career change, a big move, a breakup, a going to change everything conversation, a business launch, a healing. Maybe it's a not sure what it is yet, but damn, something has to change because I just can't do this anymore moment. You get to choose that all of that gets put into motion now. And so I'm so, so pleased to introduce The Chariot. So in the tarot, the chariot is the card of momentum. It is the card of what happens when you approach the wild horse of your life and decide to finally take the reins. It's the internal and external shift from trying to tame the horse from the ground to sitting proudly atop it as you gallop into the distance at a speed well beyond that which you could have reached by your own two feet. It's what happens when you step the fuck up. It's what happens when you finally show up for yourself and fully embody an elevated state. It's the realization that the time is always now and you can change your life in an instant. You are four weeks to your quantum leap. The time is always now. Your chariot awaits. For more details, visit rebirthofvenus.com slash the chariot. Welcome to Rebirth of Venus. I have an amazing guest for you today. This is my friend, Seth Hill. And Seth Hill's my psychic bestie, I like to think. He's actually a professional psychic of 12 years, a Reiki master, a shamanic healer, 
And he owns a super, super cool, well, let's be honest, I haven't seen it because he lives really far away from me, but on Instagram, it looks freaking dope. He owns a cafe called the Tarot Cafe. And this is in upstate New York. I always tease him and his performance partner, who we're going to talk about in a minute, um, about how they live in like practically Canada. (laughs) But this cafe is in downtown Watertown, New York. And it is an amazing, magical, tarot-themed cafe. I highly recommend you head on to Instagram and search the Tarot Cafe to check it out. So he's also co-owner of the entertainment company Fire Magic, which is actually how I know Seth originally. So for those of you who don't know, who maybe have just started following me, I am actually a former circus performer myself. I worked professionally as a circus performer for years. I owned a big entertainment company in the DC area. And um, this is how I know Seth from the world of fire performance, if you can believe it. So he is co-owner of the entertainment company Fire Magic. And this performance group, they put together these incredible fire performance shows involving dance, circus artistry, and amazing storytelling through dance with a very magical twist. So the style of Seth's readings, because he is, of course, a professional tarot reader, um, his, the style of his readings are direct and to the point, um, but he's also comforting and supportive. And you're going to totally fall in love with him in this episode. You're really going to get a feel for um, not just how we vibe together, but how he really approaches all of this work with the tarot, with magic, with all of the beautiful themes we talk about on this show. Um, and Seth, he also... He is a leader in the community, um, both in Watertown and other cities as well. Um, He teaches workshops and lectures on an array of subjects ranging from American Sign Language or ASL to magical practices such as casting circles and crafting spells and rituals. And he hosts local pagan meetups at his cafe, the Tarot Cafe, as a high priest. So I want to welcome you onto the show today, Seth. How are you doing today? I am doing swell. How are you doing? I am doing great. So I wanted to invite you on the show today because we've had so many fun conversations over the years. How many, how many years have we known each other? Do you know? Oh, God. Um, oof. Uh, I don't know. Flame like a gajillion years ago. When did Flame first start really and around I don't then. know but it's probably we probably known each other I think we've known each other for maybe like six or seven years if I had to just guess I think it's six I think it's six seven years oh, yeah so crazy and and actually for everyone listening what Seth is referring to is flame Fle- flame festival which is a fire performance festival that I used to direct in um, the Atlanta Georgia area um and that's where Seth and I met originally I believe so anyway, Seth, over the years, we've had so many interesting conversations about magic, about the tarot, about um, really just like, you know, talking shit about things we're seeing like in the world, in the online world, in our communities. You know, we're just like spilling tea left and right, usually whenever we hang out and see each other. <laughs> and so I wanted to invite you on the podcast because... A few weeks ago, we actually had, we, we started having a conversation that I, I was thinking this would be such a great conversation to continue on the podcast. And so I want to just dive into it. So 
I want to talk about the phenomenon of twin flames. Ooh. (laughs) 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 Anytime. Uh, Yep. That's why I'm so excited to have this uh, talk today. Absolutely. I actually, when when Seth brought this topic up to me, I actually cut him off mid-sentence and I was like, no, we have to have this conversation on the air. So, okay. I'm going to I'm going to start with a few things. So, when we talk about spilling tea, <laughs> it's not that we're, you know, it's it's not that we're necessarily looking down on other people's opinions, but as two very opinionated people, we do have strong thoughts on certain trends that we see in the sort of, um, we'll say in, in the psychic services world, as two people who work in that world, as intuitives, as psychics, as you know, tarot readers, as all of these things, you start to see trends after mm-hmm. a while, especially if you're active in the online space, which I am, um, you see this like really coming to, to, to a head and these same themes coming up again and again. So twin flames. First off, um, before I get into my thoughts, let's just provide some definitions of what we're even talking about. So Seth, I'm going to put you on the spot. When people talk about twin flames, what do they mean? Can you give me like a little two sentence definition of what a twin flame is or supposedly is? A a large, a larger concept of a soulmate, but in the sense of like, this is the mirror image of myself. This one person is meant to teach me all of these lessons in life and they are my forever mate. So it's like a, it's like soulmate to people times 10. Got it. That's perfect. And, and I've also, I've heard a lot of people talk about it in terms of like, and this I just find, like, I really think this definition is, like, so gross, oh, but I'm just going to say it because it's so common. A lot of people define a twin flame as, like, a single soul that's been split into two. And so, to me, that sounds awfully like people are looking for their soul brother or soul sister, which just, like, feels a little incestuous <laughs> when we're talking about, you know, romantic relationships. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just me reading too much into things, but... <laughs> Very Game of Thronesy. Right. That okay. I like that. Actually, I'm going to start saying that because it's actually like the second or third time these topics have come up where I've like, I'm like, I just that feels just wrong to me, and I'm like, <laughs> we'll just call it Game of Thronesy. That that's a good way to put it. So okay, I'm just going to like instead of putting you on the spot right away, I'm going to give my opinion. So here's the thing about this whole phenomenon of twin flames that I am seeing happening. You're seeing, I'm seeing so many people. Uh, especially in the online space, talking about twin flames. Like, is this person my twin flame? What's the twin flame dynamic? All of these things. And here's where it gets problematic. So there's this this narrative around the twin flame that is really, really, really problematic. I know I've just used that word like four times in one sentence. But the narrative is this. When you this is your person, like you described, Seth. This is, you know, the person who's, you know, really, who's supposed to like complete you. It goes beyond a soulmate. And it's like this person who is, yeah, like you said, a mirror to you, right? And there's this narrative of the twin flame um, pattern of relating where one person is more spiritually evolved. I'm putting that in air quotes. <laughs> one person is more spiritually evolved and they are ready for the partnership of that level. And the other person maybe isn't. And so they are what is referred to in twin flame land as the runner. 
they're the person who is not ready for the relationship and is just going to like run away until they're ready. And the person who's ready is trying so hard to let that other person know that they're the one and that they need to be together. And but that other person keeps running and the harder that the more evolved person holds on, the more the other runs. And oh, my God, are you bored yet? Because I am. So, Seth. <laughs> that sounds like a, a, a horrible romantic comedy that we've seen the, the plot happen over and over again. Right? Or, or a Lifetime movie where somebody ends up dead, right? It's like so obsessive and terrible. And, and that's the thing. Romant- it's romanticizing abuse. That's what it's doing. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> mic drop. I'm not going to drop the mic because I'm recording in there. <laughs> It's a such unhealthy dynamic, and I can speak from experience here because I am a um, I, I have my Venus placement in Pisces, which means like, oh, I get the soulmate flu sometimes. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a romantic, you know. I I see, I really really connect to people on the soul level. And the problem is this: the soul level isn't always the person's human level. And guess what? Guess what? You have to live with the human level. <laughs> And so you might see like this potential with the soul. And maybe, yes, maybe you do have that soul connection. But if the human can't handle it, this is a really, really powerful way for people to, like you said, romanticize abuse for people to, you know, that that's the worst end of the spectrum or on the, on the, on the uh, quote unquote best end of the spectrum. They Mm -hmm. simply are romanticizing these really unhealthy power dynamics. And so Seth, I remember you had said, like this was something that comes up a lot with your clients. And I want to ask you, well, first of all, like, is there anything you'd like to add? Would you, what do you, do you believe in twin flames? Do you think this is a real dynamic or just something that people are making up to like make themselves feel better about their unrequited love? I think that the, A, I, 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 I'm going to reference a funny meditation, spiritual comic that I seen the other day. I was in like the bargain section and it was like a snarky meditation thing. And it had a cartoon version of a girl sitting down, closing her eyes to meditate. And in one thought bubble, it says scientifically proven meditating helps with a B and C and helps you feel more, um, feel more achieved and stuff. And then the other quotation it says, and it gives me a sense of superiority. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and honestly i think that's what's happening with this whole twin flame thing is that i think on on the like on and on i could like bitch about twin flames i think the first thing is this sense of superiority saying i am more woke than thou thus meaning you're my twin flame which then kind of opened yourself up to this abusive dynamic of being like well they're the runner so obviously I need to stalk them more or keep pursuing because this is what? Right? <laughs> and, 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 and two, it's okay. So when people come to me at the cafe and I can say, like I said, 12 years experience, the most common thing I get every single time I see someone that says, I've met my twin flame. They either go, A, they're in another part of the world or B, they're married or C, they're married and on another part of the world. <laughs> because people have this concept of the runner and they have, you know, intrinsically made their themselves believe, well, they're married. So obviously they're the runner. 
And, and they will come to me and it's a very common phrase of, well, I told them I love them. They said they don't. Obviously they're my twin flames. Cause that's what Google said. <laughs> right. They're totally these like, I mean, okay. There are some people who do twin flame readings who I think are reputable, of course, but unfortunately in an unregulated space, which, you know, I think unregulation is actually a positive thing, but you have to be discerning. And there are literally these like lists or YouTube videos of like how to tell if the person is your twin flame. And guess what? The last time I was heartbroken really hard with somebody who I had a soul connection with, which was real, I devoured that shit. And I created this whole fucking story for me that like, you know, like I had to be with this person, blah, 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 which guess what? The person didn't want to be with me and I just couldn't freaking deal with that. And, you know, it's, it's not even relevant whether or not, even if twin flames are real and hell, even if, you know, people who've broken my heart were my twin flame, which like, I don't think they were, but even if they were, it's not even relevant because if your human bodies are in a situation where neither of you are, you know, ready for the thing, it's completely irrelevant what the spiritual meaning is that you put behind it, right? I, th- I think with this, for sure the spiritual part, and I'm not saying the concept of a twin flame isn't real. I just think this thought of it being only one is a scary thought. And also, mm. I think that you can have multiple parts of the the same jewel. So like what I, I told today is that, you remember I, I messaged you earlier and I said, Yo, some girl came, you know, today and asked me about twin flames. And it's just funny that it's so synchronistic. I haven't had a like reading to ask about a twin flame for at least like, you know, three weeks, but just today it randomly happens. And um, I tried telling her that rose quartz and amethyst looks really pretty together, right? So if you find this, you are a rose quartz you can always find another piece of amethyst. But people, and this is why I'm so passionate about this subject, is that when I do believe, all in all, you can have pieces of your soul that resonates with another person. But I think that you can meet that on other levels as well with people. And I think that it is something that you can find at different times. Because with clients who have come to me and they have said, I found my twin flame." And then they end up getting a divorce. The person doesn't get with them. They end up choosing their other mate. Something happens there. Well, then they thought they always lost their twin flame. Or I'll see people, I'll see people try to get with somebody. They seem like a perfect match, but they don't quote unquote meet the perfect description of a twin flame. I'm not going to give them a chance until I know that this is my twin flame. So then they're single now for two plus years because they're hung up on the addiction and the romanticizing of twin flames. And that's why I think the media and what's happening on right now has actually been a detriment. And there's these effects that we're starting to see ricochet. Cause like at this, it, it sounds really good, right? To be like, Oh, I'm in love with this person. They're cut from the same cloth and they're the mirror image and they're, it sounds really good. And it makes you want to believe in magic. But then we get the after effects and people aren't giving people aftercare. And I feel that other people like in this realm are starting to see the after effects of romanticizing only one means that you will give up on everyone unless you have that single one. It means that if you have someone that you thought's the one and then they maybe die or they leave you or they cheat on you or human, human anything, 
then you'll never find another twin flame and you're going to die alone because you're not going to get that twin flame that was promised to you. Absolutely. Amen. I agree with you so completely because here's the thing. It's, and actually there's a, there's an astrologer, a well-known astrologer. Her name is Danielle Page. And she, I remember she talked about this on a podcast interview. I, I heard her on where someone asked her, and I mentioned this on a previous episode too. Um, somebody asked her or the person interviewing asked her about twin flames and like, it, the conversation was kind of silly, in my opinion. Um, I actually don't remember what podcast it was, so it's not really relevant. But the question was something about, like, soulmates versus twin flames and, like, which one was, quote, unquote, better. And um, it was funny because Danielle, she literally just, like, told it the way it was, which was that, okay, so everyone talks about wanting to find their twin flame, but the reality is that's probably going to be the most painful, most difficult relationship of your life. And most people don't want that. And so really, whether or not someone is your quote unquote twin flame, which she did believe in, is really irrelevant and separate from whether or not this is going to be a happy, healthy, joyous relationship. And I think the person interviewed was sort of silent because I think she had been like, my fiance is my twin flame, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, yo, it doesn't matter because here's the thing. We're humans. And the reality is this all, you know, with all the magic in the world, we forget that free will is a thing, a very real thing. And the fact remains that regardless of what's true or not true on the spiritual realm, which let's face it, we don't know. We have, might have an intuitive hit that someone is our twin flame or an intuitive nudge, but guess what? That can be wrong. That doesn't mean you're less spiritual. That doesn't mean that you're less, um, that you're less you know, magical. Sometimes you want so badly to think something's true that you feel it intuitively. Of course, you're not feeling it intuitively. You're feeling it egoically, but the ego can be pretty tricky and it can disguise itself as the intuition very, very easily. So Seth, I have a question for you. What, what do you feel is when we're looking at relationships and if, and if, and for anyone listening who maybe is feeling that attachment to maybe a relationship that isn't working out currently, feeling like this is a connection that hasn't run its course and, and still has, um, still has something to, to, you know, something in the future. They feel like maybe this is their twin flame or their soulmate or whatever. What would you tell them? What would you tell them that they should be focusing on in this, during this time when maybe they are separate from that person that they really feel is the person for them? So with this concept of the love thing is seeing, first see that person as a human. And you can still feel that with the twin flame or let's call it a soul signature. I like that. It means like your soul, you are part of my soul signature. You and I can vibe together. I appreciate this human experience with you. And if there's someone that you, you want to test that ego, because that's the, like you were saying earlier is, you know, we, we don't want to convince ourselves of narrative. I have fallen, I have fallen to this too, to where I will want something so bad to happen that I'll be like, is, is this it? Um, do they make you happy and do they make you work for the love? Because a lot of the times, and let's, let's say I agree with a lot of twin flames, 
But one part that's always like the tricky part is they're always the running. And so if they're always running for you, you need someone who deserves your love. And if they do, and they match that soul signature with you, then really, then really take it. Because a lot of times when people come to you for a reading, it's, do they love me? That is the most common question. Do they love me? And if you, yes, it's okay to question it, but if it is a daily question, then I wouldn't, I would be weary of going towards that part. And I want to bring up one example with someone that brought, asked me about their twin flame is that first they come to me a few months ago or like, let's say a year ago. And this person's my twin flame and they're, they're dead set and convinced. They say it matches all the criteria. And then it turns out it didn't work out. And so now they have this new person and they go, well, this is my twin flame. And I read before that there's a false twin flame. That person was my false twin flame. And I was like, okay, right. And so she brought that up and I go, okay, tell me about this person. And she said, and this is when we get into the romanticizing abuse is that she goes, well, he has another woman. And I realized that I attracted that in my life and I am manifesting it because law of attraction says what you put out. And since I wasn't okay with myself, I attracted another woman in his life. And once I learn to be in touch with my sacred feminine, she'll leave and I will be a part of his life. Um, but think about it. That's what's following the twin flame narrative. Someone who is running from you, someone who is in love with another person, and you are just recognizing, quote, negativity in your life, and you're manifesting these problems. So it goes with the story that the twin flame narrative is trying to give the populace, and it is creating these after effects. So right now, and I, I sat there and I tried to talk her through it. And like I said, you know, earlier you said in my bio is like, I'm direct but comforting. I start off with the comforting. And I was like, okay, so you know that this isn't your problem. You're not creating the other woman. This is his own abusive behavior. Well, no, this is my twin flame. And eventually after we got to it, it, it clicked. I mean, I just had this, this epiphany today. Absolutely. I mean, it's – and Ivy, this is a, a great opportunity to say, just to reiterate, if, if this is something that you are experiencing, that any type of emotional, spiritual – physical abuse is not your fault. This is not something that you are being given to be tested. This is not something that, you know, you need to endure in order to get, you know, to be with this person who you think is the only person for you. And, you know, it's tricky. It's tricky when you're dealing with just unhealthy dynamics that maybe aren't abusive, but they just don't feel good. And I think you really brought up an important point, Seth, which is that, well, first of all, if you're, if you have to ask constantly, if the person loves you or cares about you, that's a problem. And I actually want to bring up a personal antidote involving you, Seth, um, which was not, not involving you, Seth, in like, you know, the romantic sense, <laughs> but, but not that, but um, involving you in, I remember this was, I don't remember, maybe like two years ago, I was newly dating somebody I was really into. And um, it was one of those people who on paper looked perfect. It was looked like they checked all the boxes of everything I was looking for. And it was like, it was like a shoe in like, yes, of course, this is perfect. 
And I remember constantly feeling like I just wasn't sure how this person felt about me. And I remember I actually asked you, Seth, to consult the cards for me because sometimes Seth and I will read tarot for each other because it can be sometimes hard, especially in these very emotional situations, to be honest with yourself. (laughs) At least for me, it can be difficult. You know, I'll keep pulling cards that I uh, until I get the one I want. And that's not really helpful. So I remember I asked you, Seth, to like read into it. And this is not a person I thought was like my twin flame or anything. Um, I just was really into this person. And I remember you, you, you broke the news, which is that like, okay, they're definitely seeing other people, which I was fine with. Um, and, you know, they were definitely like not at the place where I was, like I was starting to look for a relationship. They were definitely still playing the field, et cetera, et cetera. And these things were fine to me. They actually, you know, I wasn't looking to like pin it down right away, but the reality was this. I kept coming back even after that conversation to the fact that I just never really knew how this person felt. Like, of course I knew they enjoyed my company. We got along great, all these things. I could tell they cared about me, but I couldn't really tell. And I finally ended it for a number of reasons. But one of the reasons was that like, I just never really felt comfortable. And this wasn't you know, something I would blame that other person for. It was a, a dynamic that occurs when two personalities come together and lead to a situation that makes one of them kind of feel insecure. You know, this isn't about who's at fault. I think it's important to remember that if you, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't have to feel perfect. It doesn't always have to feel easy. Of course, love can take like some effort. But if it doesn't feel good, you really, really, really need to question, is this, a, is this an existence I want? And, you know, Seth, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on like free, I know I just like went on a tangent there a little bit, but like, what are your thoughts on, you know, the intersection between like free will, between, you know, our spiritual understandings maybe of why someone is brought into our life, maybe this understanding that like this is a pivotal relationship and yet the free will and the human understanding that this just doesn't feel good. What what are your thoughts on that? With when we're in these relationships, we have these, you know, quote unquote negative experiences. And love's not perfect. So it's it's on the flip side of it, if someone resonates with your soul signature, let's I feel like Pee-wee's Playhouse. Every time like I say soul signature in this episode, I'd be like, ah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh, but anyways. <laughs> um it's okay to feel, you know, different about it. And we all have to work towards these things. But instead of seeing it, it's, it's that cheesy cliche of it's not the destination, it's the journey. So when people come to me and they're like, oh, that relationship sucked. I go, what did you learn? And what did they learn? And maybe you bet- bettered them as a person. So like, instead of this concept of, is this the end all? More of living this human experience that we're all in to be like, I'm going to see them as the person that they are. I don't know their role, but I'm going to be open to it. So it, it is okay on one end. I'm not, I'm not like completely dog on twin flames with the sense of like, don't get abused. <laughs> Cause sometimes that concept of like soul signature, the other person is going to make you uncomfortable and learn these lessons. And there will be a sense of like patience. But I think the biggest lesson with it is, is are you, do you feel you are both benefiting from the relationship? Are they just are they just benefiting from it? And or are you symbiotic in the sense of I might have taught them yes. patience, but they taught me organization. Because I've had relationships that are 
you know, toxic, toxic. But there was one little nugget that I got from it. So it it's good to still be in it. So to like answer it all in one part, um, just feeling that resonating with that person and knowing it's okay to learn lessons and you don't have to see an expiration date. Perfect. There's a good analogy. Always versus you looking at the, let's say that you're uh, at a store, you know that everything is going to be fresh, so to speak. Imagine you never looking to see what's in it, what's it tastes like or tasting it, but always looking at the expiration Mm. date of something. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you, it's, yeah. And that's the thing. It's important to have the perspective, I think. And, you know, of course uh, you, hopefully you learn from, you know, the worst experiences and I, I, you know, and this is important to think about because and I'll talk about myself here because I don't want to make assumptions about anyone else's situation. But I mean, I think of the worst, you know, relationships I was in or the least gratifying relationships. They were often the results of a dynamic I had created personally where I felt like I had to learn lessons the hard way. And so it's not that I deserved bad treatment. However, my belief that I personally had to learn everything the hard way, um, it did manifest in relationships at times that were really, really, really toxic and really forced me to look at those things I hadn't looked at before. That Those things I could have looked at long ago and I just was, you know, things I had buried, things I was avoiding that ended up showing up in a really toxic way. And again, this is really important to understand the nuances of this. It's not saying that you deserve to be treated badly, but you know, it, what I'm hearing you say, Seth, is that you can look at things with this understanding and eventual gratitude of the lessons you've learned. And yet you can still make the choice of recognizing like, this is not a dynamic I want to be in. And sure, I've learned things from this, but it doesn't feel good. And ultimately, while yes, love isn't perfect and love can be challenging and love can make you question things, it should still feel good most of the time. And if it doesn't, that's a problem. And that's, you know, one thing, you know, you, that's why I like the term psychic bestie. I'm coining that. That's good. Is that (laughs) psychic see psychics. And, you know, just as I have helped her, she helped me because a lot of the times, you know, just like doctors see doctors, psychologists see psychologists, a psychic will see a psychic. And I remember, you know, one time you helped me too. There's uh, I was with this one guy and I, he lived like two hours away. And I was like, oh, this guy's great, this guy's great. But I always had to travel to him. And he came to me once. He came to me once. Mm. But, and then, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a no. That's just, but that's just yeah. my bestie side. Like, I don't even need to look at a tarot card to tell you that's a no. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. But it just—it was that concept without even knowing that part. You know, there was other things that added up to where, you know, where is the seesaw? You know, I'm a Libra. I'm all about like that balance. And sometimes we're rendered blind. And when the best advice I can give on that with people is that. If you are the one that is constantly giving and they are not even like giving back and you have to separate yourself from it. That's the, that's the object of the ego, right? That we always have to like step out of the situation and be like, you know, from the outside perspective, 
<laughs> what is this? Oh, then absolutely. They make me feel great, but how many times can you say but before you realize that it's one-sided? Yes. Amen. That is a that's a really good point, you know. And and that's actually a good thing even for all of you. I mean, you don't have to be psychic to point this out to to friends or have them point it out to you, which is that I, I, for me, but is one of those words that's like a trigger. And when I'm reading for clients in particularly, you know, either as a coach, as a mindset coach or as a tarot reader, or, you know, usually I'm combining both. It's you know, one thing I'm listening for because it shows duplicity. It shows that part of you feels that usually something is good and positive. And that might be completely true. This isn't saying you're delusional or anything like that. But on the other hand, Again, but on the other hand, when someone is using that word, it's showing that there's duplicity, showing that there's another side that's opposite. And if there are too many of those, then you lack congruence in the relationship and or in in whatever it is that you're looking at. And you're not able to ever really feel like your needs are being met. And and like and what I said earlier about my experience is important because this isn't about like blaming the other because those of us who are very, you know, self-aware and have done a lot of self-development and spiritual work, it's really easy for us to get on our high horse and be like, oh, but I'm, I'm really just aware of what I need. I need this. But guess what? Mm-hmm. The other person is not required to give that to you. And sometimes, sometimes the things, and that doesn't mean that they're not evolved. That doesn't mean anything about them. It just means that they have their own ideas of what they should be providing. And and it's not necessarily wrong. I mean, sure, I could definitely look at my, my negative experiences and be like, oh, they should have known, they should have given that to me. But who's to say really? I mean, we forget that they have free will as well. And that's a really important thing to keep in mind when you're looking ob- objectively at your relationships or your, you know, proto-relationships. <laughs> well, it, it's, it goes back to that thing I was reading earlier, you know, that says scientifically meditation is great, also gives me a sense of superiority, um, you, think, <laughs> you thinking that you're the only one that matters in the relationship or that's and you know, to reverse the side, like who's the abusive one where is checking in with your partner's needs and you not being that one that saying, well, I require X, Y, Z. And they're like, well, X makes me uncomfortable. You're like, it's abuse. <laughs> they don't give me X when it should. And you should. Right. Mm-hmm. It's such a fine line. It really can be a fine line. Especially when it comes, I mean, you know, it, of course, like when we're when when you're if you're looking at or experiencing anything that is you know overtly manipulative, especially definitely anything that's physical. Um, I hate to like encourage you to turn to Google in such a serious situation, but you know, having been in abusive situations myself, like there's definitely an element of manipulation with the mind and making you feel like nothing is happening and maybe it's in your imagination. So it can be helpful. You know, psychologists have compiled as crazy as it sounds like lists of abusive characteristics that, that you can rely on because that's something that's been studied in the psychological context. However, the, the risk we take is when we're using kind of pseudoscience to decide whether or not something is a positive or negative dynamic. And, you know, okay, here's a word, Seth, that I wonder what your thoughts are on that I hear so much. The word narcissist. He was a cool God. You know, 
So the word, so a narcissist, <laughs> right? Yeah, he was a great god. No, but but a narcissist is like, you know, is it really means something real in psychology? But unfortunately, that meaning has become completely diluted by people in the self development space, basically using that word to describe anybody who doesn't do something they want. Oh, you know, yeah. I actually posted on Facebook like a couple months ago. Not everybody, not everybody who you don't like, not everybody who is a dick is a narcissist. Like maybe they're just an asshole. Maybe you just don't like them, but that doesn't actually mean like we need to put a label on it. And that really ties into all of this. Or if you don't agree with me. I mean, and you have to really recognize like what you're talking about. Like, you know, it's not like so often in these relationships, it's not about one person being right and one person being wrong. You know, it's about just the fact that, like, they don't meet your needs. And that's okay. You can walk away from that. Mm-hmm. Who, Even if they were your twin flame, you still get to walk away from that. You do. Yep. And you can resonate uh, with someone else that actually, you know, raises that vibration versus bringing it down. Right. And that's the, ultimately, you know, it's like, does it feel good or not? And because here's the thing, like, well, this is like an Abraham Hicks thing. It's like the idea that feeling good is an indicator, it's a barometer for how close you're getting to manifesting your desires. And again, it's isn't like everything feels happy all the time, but it feels good. You know, even when things are challenging, it feels right. And it's important to to get to know that barometer in yourself and really just ask yourself, like, does it feel good or does it not? And so, Seth, I mean, I have a question for you based on, you know, you, this is something you've said that you really deal with a lot in readings, which is interesting because I really, I get very few clients asking about relationships. Most of the ones who do are asking about them in a context of something bigger. So it's interesting because I actually don't have a lot of people coming to me asking about Twin Flames. So I wonder with you, in your experience, what advice would you give for somebody who's stuck or who feels that they're stuck in a negative dynamic with somebody they do feel that soul connection with? How can they separate themselves from that person and step into a more empowering future? What advice would you give? About if they are in a negative relationship and how to, like an exit strategy with it through empowerment? Especially when it is somebody who they have a spiritual connection with. Um, because it can be a lot, a lot more challenging to leave that kind of relationship. So do you have any advice for them? Well, I think it would be good to identify first, like writing. I like to do this thing called an astral mirror, right? And I will write down positive and negative. So let's think of the relationship. And on one side, we're going to write positive and the next one negative. Then when you write that down, write down what element corresponds to what it is. Is it more of like angry fire or is it more slothy earth or is it more grounded earth? And then you can start identifying. And the reason I say to do that before the exit strategy necessary is you to elementally find out either what the person are is, what you like, or maybe something that you are adding elementally in it. Cause then that can help you to fully see what it is because with like relationships where people come to me, is that I will neither tell you do this or don't do this. I will simply guide you to the post and give you the options that I see there. And I've had it on both ways where people go, I think they're an asshole. And I'm like, well, here's how you can get there. And it turns out, yeah, you know, they might have been an asshole. But then we get other ones where 
people will be like, well, I think they're an asshole. And then I will give them an assessment like this positive negative chart, uh, and writing it out. And they find out, Oh wait, no, I'm just misunderstanding something or communication error or something like that. So the first thing I would tell someone is identify for sure that this isn't your ego feeding it and that you have fully identified it as either abusive behavior or it's just, it's not resonating with you. And when you start to leave, it's kind of like that old saying of like, don't leave mad, (laughs) just leave. (laughs) Think about, think about how you appreciate the lessons that you did learn together and your life free of them. And maybe do a meditation beforehand. If you've done all these different techniques and, uh, you know, one extra one I like to do is I like to tell people, you know, write down three memories of the person where you felt your highest with them and now read it out loud, each one individually, visualize you going through that and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And you might realize, oh, this is actually a very good, healthy relationship, but then still being aware of the other things of it. But if you have for certain found out what it does, start to do maybe even daily quick meditations of seeing your life free without them. And what would you be doing? Part of that manifestation to where we are disconnecting ourselves from them spiritually already and then letting it pull out to where it'll go natural. And then maybe tell them and approach them on the, you know, if you need that exit strategy in a more gratuitous form than like a, oh no, I've, I have so much anxiety against this. And to see it more of like, thank you for what you've taught me. Thank you for these experiences. You know, I do wish you well. Because then you won't be able to like get lured back in because you've already done the meditation work and seen how successful your life can be without them and then creating a greater future for yourself. But make sure you do that check first to say, is this just a narrative that's in my head? Is this something that I'm creating? And then you exit out. I love that. And I I really, the thing I loved most is this idea of changing your energy before you even go into, you know, if you're the one ending it, for example, leaving the person, you know, going into it with a positive energy of the fact that you are grateful for what you shared and for what they taught you. And instead of, but this is like an NLP trick, a neurolinguistic programming trick, you know, switching your buts to, and so, you know, you, you appreciate everything they gave you. You appreciate the lessons. You're grateful for, you know, how you've grown. And you don't want them in your life. You know, because here's the thing. The, these things can coexist. And this goes into forgiveness as well. You know, if you've, if you've experienced a negative relationship dynamic and, you know, you, it, you might get frustrated, especially if it's fresh when people talk about forgiveness Here's the thing, and this is something I really only learned myself truly over the past year when I really did some deep forgiveness work for a lot of different situations. I realized, and this seems so obvious now, but it hit me that just because I've truly forgiven someone doesn't mean I need to invite them back into my life. So I can forgive someone. I can be grateful for the lessons they taught me. I can be grateful for how I grew as a result. And I can choose not to let them into my world. You know, that's boundaries. And so I think it's important to recognize that you can approach it from both ways, you know. And and even going back to the topic of the twin flame, you know, they could be a soul connection. And you can choose not to be with them based on how they make you feel now. 
Sure, anything could happen in the future. But the fact remains that if it doesn't feel like a situation you want to be in, you can leave. And that doesn't matter. It doesn't it has nothing to do with the, you know, other people's thoughts. And, you know, a lot of people do have this counter narrative of like, you need to do whatever it takes to make a relationship last. And that's just not true. You get to decide, you know, do I want to do the work or not? And that's your choice. There's not a right or wrong answer. And likewise, if this happens to you and somebody says, you know, this isn't working for me and you think, you know, but we should work at it. We should try harder. I mean, they have they have the free will to decide that they don't think it's worth it, that they don't think that that is what needs to happen. That maybe, yeah, they could work at it and make it happen, but but that's not where they feel alignment. And that hurts, of course, but it's the truth. Some people... There, there's a song lyric. Have you ever heard of the band called Gears and Years? I haven't. Um, they, they, they're really good. Check them out. But they have this one song um, that says, it's okay to want to be used. Um, and basically, it's the concept of, you know, we, you know, I'm going to refer to that comic one more time. Scientifically, meditation is great. Entitlement. You know, people have this sense of when you start becoming into this line of work of, girl, you, just, you need to leave and you're not right. You are blah, 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 blah. Maybe that's part of their lesson right now, and maybe they like that. And we as a whole, I'm not saying keep on going and replace. I'm definitely not saying that. But sometimes people want that or they need that at that time because they'll come back and back over and over and over again. And you can keep telling them, that's not a good idea. But if that's the lesson, yeah, that's the lesson that they need to learn. Certainly. I mean, and and that's the thing. I mean, the fact remains that, you know, again, I am separating and we both are separating this from, you know, like situations of real. Well, okay, we're separating it, but also there is a connection between like the situations of true abuse and situations where that's just like a toxic dynamic, not just a toxic dynamic. Obviously, that's still terrible. But here's the thing. You know, yes, in a truly abusive situation, you're being manipulated, manipulated. And you are, and I can speak from experience, even as a very strong, empowered person, that's not necessarily a match for somebody who is um, highly skilled in manipulation, highly skilled in gaslighting, which is making you feel like it's all in your head, highly skilled at creating a dynamic that is very hard to escape from. And no one makes a change in their life until they're ready. Right. And that might, that might be a negative relationship for me. I mean, you know, when I, I'll be completely honest here, when I was in emotionally abusive relationship, like I, part of his manipulation of me was, you know, really allowed me to feel like if I just did something differently, it would be perfect and made it feel like it was all, you know, something I was doing, which was obviously false. But the fact remained that I wasn't, I wasn't physically able to get out of that situation until I was. And of course, the support of people around me was invaluable. And people who are like, eh, I don't know about this, but okay. Or uh, I support you. Or later on when, you know, I was in a situation where I had to kind of get out fast, they supported me then. But none of them could make the decision for me. None of them could tell me that what I needed to do. I had to be ready to do it myself. And that's important to recognize and to have empathy with yourself if you're not quite there. I do really encourage anyone who is if, definitely, if you're experiencing any 
fear of physical violence um, or anything like that to please, please, please find physical space from that person in whatever way you're able to do so at this, at this time. Um, and recognize that if it does take some time and some steps for you to actually cut it off, that's okay. Because if we have shame around this, if we have this idea that like we aren't doing it right and that we're stupid or, or, or dumb or foolish, that doesn't help the dynamic. We need to remind ourselves that we are strong. We need to remind ourselves that we're better than this. And eventually that adds up and allows us to be able to, to break the dynamic, you know? And, and so, yeah, I think that's what you're speaking to, which is that mm-hmm. it, you're saying like, okay, somebody wants a bad situation is like a very touchy language. And, and I completely understand the essence of what you're saying because I, at the same time, because I feel like the fact remains that nobody can make a change in their life until they're ready to do it. Yeah. I, I was not meaning like that. I was more of like, you just said, I was like, like you were just saying, and you were summarizing it. That's more of the dynamic of saying, for example, like, I'm not saying like physical abuse or anything like that. You just get the fuck out (laughs) 100% and all that other. I meant more of the concept of like, if, if you need to take those steps necessary and you have like, let's say that, let's say that you are in love with somebody right now and you just are emotionally feeling distance and you're not together. And someone is like, you need to leave him right now, right now, this very second. And if you don't, then you're not owning your power. I would, but what if they're like, well, I love them and I want to make sure that they're still okay because I've been in a relationship with 15 years. It's not that they're being abusive. It's that I, I want to make sure that they're okay before I make this divergence. So it's, it's more of recognizing the steps and honoring, someone's, honoring what someone is saying about I need, I need to do these steps in order to make that happen. Right. And I think it's important, like you said, to give yourself a process because sometimes it is a process. And the ultimate, ultimately recognizing and using your feelings as a barometer because you, I, I don't care if it's your twin flame or not. If you're feeling bad, if you're feeling used, if you're feeling unappreciated, that's, I don't know about you, but that's not a relationship I want to be in. And sure, some people might say, like, I should work harder. You know, I'm divorced and I know I received judgment when I left my marriage because I'm sure there was, there were people who felt like I should have tried harder. But here's the thing. When you know, you know. And I don't think you owe anybody like a long drawn out process. And that might be controversial and some people might disagree with me and that's, and that's completely fine, but you don't owe anybody a long drawn out process if that doesn't feel resonant because, and and at the same time, you also don't owe anybody like a quick process either. If, if that doesn't feel resonant to you either, you really have to recognize that all you can do is, is go through this process the way that feels like what you need. And that might be different than the other person. So, you know, yeah, it, it might be different. You know, that kind of goes back to the fact we can't control what someone else views as their needs. Correct. I'm wondering, Seth, I mean, so, okay. Okay, one one last big question for you. <laughs> so because this is something you handle so much with your clients, do you feel, let's turn it around, 
do you think that there are quote unquote symptoms of a true twin flame? And what would you suggest somebody do if they feel that they've found that person? Or maybe you think they shouldn't do anything at all. What are your thoughts on that? I'm all about the concept of treating it as a regular relationship and not, because then that is, I'm going to go back to Brahmin, you know what I mean? Where it's like, everything is Brahmin. Uh, For those of you who don't know, that's like the energy within us all saying like, this plant has Brahmin, I'm Brahmin, it's very ethereal based, right? And if you have this concept of someone who you thinks your twin flame, but let's say the next person actually is your twin flame. Don't treat that person any differently. If they are to be your love, then let them be their love. That's the concept of saying, um, okay, I'm going to go at it like this. I treat everyone like God or goddess, spiritual being. If I see um, some person who is a billionaire, I'm going to treat them the same way as the beggar on the street because I think we're all equal. And when we put this concept of twin flame on someone that we might love, that means that you are giving a more human experience and this love experience more to this individual because you thought something differently of them. Like that saying, oh, that person's rich, go rub shoulders with them because they're rich. But you're not treating them with this human experience. So just go with it. If you feel that twin connection, feel that high on your own, but don't treat the relationship differently. If you if you want to look for some different aspects of someone who could resonate with your soul signature, then maybe I would say not someone that's perfect because I do think that a lot of people who do resonate with your soul signature will challenge you in different things. Again, not going back to the abuse, but there's going to be certain things that change within you and ask yourself, are we both benefiting from this relationship. And that's after some trial and error and all these different things. But my my ending statement on that is Brahman. If if they seem like a divine light that matches your soul signature, go for it. But don't treat them any different just because you think they might be your twin flame. Let that universal love flow through you and be open to it without an expectation of what you feel and your ego feels is the ending result it needs to. You are living a human experience, having your soul connect together. Yes, I love that. You know, it's actually in the spiritual text, um, A Course in Miracles, that's something that's talked about, like avoiding the special relationship, you know, of of putting somebody else on like a different level than you. I just love that. So that was such a great, great, great ending. But before we do end, I want to ask you just like a few hot seat questions. Okay. So um, I'm going to just like go through them just a few. And I want you to answer with just um, as quickly as you can. Okay. okay? Yeah. <laughs> First one. What is your favorite tarot card? Um, the magician. Hands down, hands down. It's the thing that guided me in everything in my life, made me, you know, get me open a cafe, helps me recognize I have all these things. What am I manifesting? 100% the magician. Amazing. Love it. What is something that most people don't know about you? Most people don't know that I play the ocarina and I collect ocarinas. (laughs) 
Okay, what's an ocarina? Can, can you please share the class? What the hell is an ocarina? <laughs> uh, an ocarina is a Mayan and Aztec instrument. Uh, ocarina translates into bird larynx. And I play the 12-hole ocarina and I collect them. And I have an obsession with flutes, like the hand flute. Uh, I love, I can, yeah, I can play actually different songs with the hand flute. <laughs> so that's a little random to do. Nice. Okay. So I, I guess I do know what this is because I live in Mexico and I, and like they sell them in different places. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. Okay. Um, what is your favorite magical practice for self care? My favorite magical practice for self care. Um, honestly, uh, a big one used to be, um, through sex magic, uh, and through like masturbation and through like manifestation. Cause I'm a big one of activating, um, both of them. And if you have like the concept of having sigil magic and like, what are you creating? It's not necessarily a sexual act, but it's, you know, activating all those chakras, um, and going through it and activating. I'm a very like, I'm that witch. I'm like, get your symbol, put a dash of blood, a yes. little bit of, <laughs> of this and you activate it but yeah that's one concept and then uh the last one is certain journey work is that if i can find for like a really creative journey work if i have like a shaman leading me uh like one of my favorite different meditation work they did is we went into the lower level and we got through different what is your plant ally and stuff like that so that's my favorite spiritual practices for self-care cool love it Okay, last question. What celebrity do you know is actually a witch? What celebrity do I know that's actually uh I mean like okay, what, let me let me explain. They they aren't they aren't they don't say they're a witch, but you know that bitch is a witch. Oh, um uh Brandon Yuri from Panic the Disco. Um if you look up uh Panic at the Disco, Brandon Yuri cuz a lot of his things are about different witchy stuff and he doesn't actively say he is but there's like some hints and then look at his new album if you look up um panic of disco and their last two albums one of them is a very the manifestation thing where it has like a triangle with a square and a circle uh yeah brandon yuri's one of them all right i'll look him up love it well thank you seth so much for coming on the show today this is such a fun conversation and to close is there anything you would like to tell um, our listeners today uh look for look for your own self-care when it comes to relationship and make sure you're asking yourself if this is balanced and that i'm not falling victim to the twin flame narrative it's okay to have a belief in a twin flame if that's what you feel and in your soul don't let my bitchy self, bitchy witchy self tell you if that's what you resonate with and that's what you feel, that's what it is. But I ask you to not succumb to abuse in any way just because you think they're the one and the only one. And it's okay if someone you thought was your twin flame and then it didn't work out. Maybe you guys just had to, diff- had to have different lessons. Look for someone who makes you happy, who teaches you as much as you teach them, and someone that aligns with your soul signature. Yes. Thank you so much. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing to close on. So for everyone listening, if you'd like to learn more about Seth, I encourage you to check out the show notes uh, underneath this episode. I'm going to have links um, of all of Seth's projects for you to find out more about him and contact him if you have any questions or want to continue the conversation. So thank you all so much for listening. 
And as always, thank you so much for your five-star reviews on iTunes. If you loved this episode, you can hit pause right now and go ahead and leave a review there. Those reviews really, really help me know what you'd like to hear more of, what you want to hear less of, and what ideas you have, what you're benefiting from in these conversations. Because as I always say, this podcast is for you. This is a community we've built here. These are conversations we're having together. So thank you as always so much for listening. And I hope you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, be sure to leave a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app and share it with a friend. I would love to hear from you. Let's continue the conversation on Instagram. DM me at rebirth underscore of Venus. And be sure to grab your free ritual guide at rebirthofvenus.com. 